Hello, and welcome to Witchy Woman Podcast. I am your host, Danae Sweet, and I have no damn idea what episode this is. Today, I get to share an interview that I got to do in the spring with Sally Crow um, about her new book that she has coming out or had coming out this spring called The Path of Elemental Witchcraft, A Weird Woman's Book of Shadows. She also has another book that um, she had written called Jump Girl, The Initiation and Art of a Spirit Speaker, a memoir. Before I get into the interview, I want to give you guys just a little bit of a reason why I took such a long hiatus. So originally I had planned on taking the month of June off because it's my birthday month and usually it's kind of a shit show emotionally. So I decided, fuck it, I'm just going to take the month off and try to do fun things and um, just kind of decompress. Been doing this for over three years, the podcast I mean, and I just needed a break, like an extended break. (laughs) Um, And I really enjoyed it. And once the end of June rolled around, I just couldn't make myself do any more episodes. I just, I literally couldn't make myself and when that happened I'm like okay I guess I need more time right so I took some more time and um, I've been doing a lot of things that are just geared towards feeding my soul I learned that I really really enjoy going to festivals and fairs and offering my services like my intuitive intuitive services um at these things in person like it's great I love meeting new people I love showing them palmistry and card reading and mediumship even like I just love sharing that with people and seeing their faces when they're shocked or you know they get closure and or they like get some hope they didn't believe in anything and then they get like a really solid card reading about what they've been you know wondering about and it confirms things for them like that shit that's my jam and I guess it just took taking a lot of time off and refocusing my energies towards things that truly feed my soul to make me realize I love in-person things COVID kind of fucked that up for everybody um and it's not like COVID is still not happening um we just take precautions right we're careful we take precautions I also am going through Um, what feels like um, a Saturn return, but it's not. Like, I've done that, did that, done. (laughs) I'm old, uh, and it's not time for my my second one, I don't think. Um, But I feel like I've come to a crossroads, and I literally, like, when I dream, when I close my eyes, when I meditate on things, I literally can see my life going in one direction or the other. It's really weird to see that and to know if I make this choice, like my life will go this way. If I make this choice, it's going to go a completely different way. And I'm sitting here pondering and making plans and trying to follow my heart and my soul (laughs) because following my stupid brain has got me, you know, into all kinds of all kind god I can't even fucking talk all kinds of situations where I feel obligated and they're unfulfilling and I'm not talking about the podcast I'm just talking about my general life um so just know there's been a lot of growth happening for me and my life spiritually oh my goodness lots of things have happened spiritually to open myself up to different things um different skill sets that I have developed over the summer um, have, have happened and I've learned paths I don't want to go down, things I do want to know more about. Uh, I've taken classes and dipped my toes in things and learned so much. And I want to say thank you so much to those who have supported me and given me the space to just do this, to just be me, to be Danae, not Danae, the host of Witchy Woman Podcast, or Danae, witchy woman who gives readings online or runs an online coven. Just me. Just me. I haven't had the room or the space just to be me in a very long time. And I think I was so focused on my witch persona because that's what happens when you have a business I think that is revolves around your spiritual practice um 
we tend to dive into um, that whole persona in it, or I do, because that's who I am. Like, I want to be the best person I can for those clients and people that are partaking in my services or the podcast episodes. I want to be there for everyone. I want to make sure you are feeling supported and cared for. And um, I forgot that I am also just a person. I am a person that gets huge zits on her face, wakes up and does not feel like doing shit. Um, I fail at so many things. I am always learning about witchcraft and what things work in my practice and what don't. I am always, you know, I'm just me. (laughs) And I got to be just me. And thank you so much. I don't know how to thank you guys enough for allowing that space for me. There's been a lot of people leave the coven (laughs) because of my absence. And I've stuck around the coven. I've tried to stay semi-active. I still do my readings for everybody like they pay for. um, But I have not been as present. And those that stuck around through that, I will never forget that. I appreciate that so much. You gave me the space and and friendship and support through the coven that I really needed. And I, I just thank you. I think part of what what is going on is that f- fucking 43 hit different <laughs> this year. It really did. And it's not like, a, oh my God, I'm 43. Um, it is that the astrology of it all didn't help. It was really pushing me, pushing my boundaries, pushing my comfort zone, pushing me to let go of things and be brave and walk toward the things that you know make me happy that truly spark joy like I tell others what gives you those butterflies in your stomach what subjects just can you not get enough of when you read about them or study about them like who in your life can you completely trust and you know love unconditionally those are the people that you want to surround yourself with and I did a lot of you know, friendship thinning, I think. There's a lot of people who, because I didn't do the readings all the time that I thought were friends, they did kind of disappear. And you know what? I don't hold that against them. That is their path and this is mine. But it did help me let go of those things. Now, I still have a lot of growth to do and I will until the day that I die. Um, everybody does. But I am learning the lessons. I'm aware of the lessons. You know, that's usually the first step. Like most people go along and you don't know that there's a lesson there. You just keep, you know, running into the same wall over and over and over like what I was doing. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, there's a lesson here. <laughs> I, should, I should probably learn from this. And then you are like, oh, okay. And, and you can move forward. You can make a plan. You can do whatever. That's what I've been doing. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who's allowed me to do that. I want to apologize to Sally Crow for leaving her hanging with this episode. It just happened at a really, I had planned on letting this uh, be released in June and I never got it edited. I didn't put an intro and outro. I just, it just sat on my laptop and it's my work laptop and I just didn't want to open it. (laughs) Um, There was something inside me that was just... I just couldn't, I couldn't do any more podcasts. Like, I was afraid that if I opened it up and forced myself to do more podcasts when I just was not feeling it, that I'd never do podcasts again. So I let things just kind of rest until I felt inspired again. So enough of me rambling on about my weird ass life. Let's just get into this interview and talk to Sally Crow about her new book and her life. It's super interesting and I had a great time talking to her. Okay. Yeah. I've got kicked out of my office because I have 18 chicks in there right now that can't go outside because Nebraska is cold at night still and they're loud. Oh, you're in Nebraska. Yeah. My sister-in-law lived in Nebraska. She lived in Beatrice. Oh yeah. The tornado alley. Huh? Tornado alley. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we we only visited once and, um, well, you'd appreciate this, but her friends wouldn't come over when I was there because they were saying, staying home to pray for my husband's soul. 
Oh yeah. Because if he, you know, if he was her brother, then he's probably was under some kind of spell. So it's been my husband and I's joke for many years because we've been together for 32 years. So it's a damn good spell. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Around here, I am literally the village witch. They, we have 170 people in town. Like that's the, as big they as our- go to church there's five churches yep there's actually eight churches in this town. it's crazy oh, holy moly eight yes so uh really religious it's weird though because I can tell when I do my demographic things from my podcast uh um like when it collects data I yep. know how many IP addresses individual ones listen in this town and I'm like I know there's some closet witches or at least somebody who likes to keep tabs on me. So there's like right, probably some of both. Yeah. A little of both probably. I've been a uh, village witch because I live in rural Vermont. So, mm -hmm. and I have worked out of the same area for 30 years with the public. So I've been on the school board for nine years. I've <laughs> owned two witch shops. I've owned a bar. Vermont is far more liberal than Nebraska though. Right. But um, I think that when you are a village witch, mm -hmm. you have to be authentic because mm -hmm. you're not in a tourist town. If you're not the real deal, everybody is going to know. Oh, yeah. Yes. So um, I actually have many, many of my clients are police officers, old ladies, um, you know, mm -hmm clerks at the grocery store, nurses, you know, like regular everyday oh. folks. Oh yeah. I've had people call, like actually they'll, they'll contact my husband because he's like the safe guy. He's like the big yeah. tanker and everybody's like, and he's local. I'm from a town. I'm from a rival town too. So it doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh my gosh, but I will have them, they will contact him and be like, Hey, there's like, you know, they hear a bump in the night. Like, can they, can you have your wife come and look at my house and see if there's anything in there that she needs to get out? Like, can right. she remove things from my house that's, you know, from the other worlds and that sort of thing happens, but it's always like, shh, like, don't tell anybody who it is exactly. And, and right. come in the back, do it at night. I don't want nobody to know. <laughs> but that was kind of the way my grandmother, I mean, my grandmother saw people, uh, mm -hmm. my great grandmother did, and mm -hmm. she, they would, it was always under the guise of them coming to buy worms or because <laughs> they really liked her cooking you know, like, but I was at her house all the time and I knew what they were doing. You know, they're asking her advice or they were talking to their dad, oh, wow. um, but it was, and everybody in town called my grandmother, Graham, everybody knew her, but nobody talked in public yeah. about what she really did. Everybody just knew <laughs> that's <laughs> me. Bad. I've had the luxury of yeah, just being able to be out with it. That's awesome. Um, let me, how do you say your name? So I do not mess this up. Sally. It's Sally. Okay. okay. Sally Crow. That's how you, okay, cool. It's I'm like, it was like running it over in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to mess this up. I would have. Cause I was. Danae? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, my, my husband has a cousin named Danae. So really? it's so yeah. hard to find. Yeah. That name is. Are you French? Um, I actually have German and uh, Scottish. Okay. Lineage, I didn't like, know where she got most of his family is French, but she could have yeah. gotten it from her father's side too. So I don't yeah. know. I just assumed because I was like, they're all, they all have French names. My parents think they made it up, but a oh. there's a Danae in Greek mythology. So I'm yeah. like, I'm like, you didn't make it up, mom. They right. <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> well, I thought it'd be cool if you could introduce yourself. Um, cause I will do like an actual intro. Like I always record the intro separate from this, but if you could introduce yourself and then I would love to know, like, tell us a little bit about how you grew up. Cause I was reading online a little bit about how you grew up, like basically like you're talking in a magical mm -hmm. household where they pass down like folk magic. And mm -hmm. I'm interested in knowing like how growing up like that shaped your practice now. And then also your book. Okay. you know, path of elemental witchcraft. <laughs> right. So uh, my name is Sally Crow and I am what I call a natural psychic medium, which means I've been aware of my gifts as long as I've been aware of anything. Um, I've remembered past lives since I was four years old. I communicated with 
spirits and other parts of myself through the mirror when I was a child. My great grandmother was my first teacher. My father was raised by her. So he was raised by his grandmother. And um, my parents were young. My dad was just out of Vietnam and my mom was a teenager. Um, and they were, I say, partying hippies, not political hippies. So I spent <laughs> a lot of time with my grandmother. And I was very loved, but they were still really young. So we spent a lot of time with our grandmother. And she was half Irish traveler and half Blackfoot. So um, her mother was full-blooded Blackfoot and her father was an Irish traveler. And so she cared, and both of them had gifts. So I tell people that when I think of my family line, I think of that family line because both of those people came in with gifts. And um, my great grandmother knew that I was going to be a medium before I was born because she was a medium and spirits told her that I was going to be a medium. That's so, so yeah, it was as a child, she, like she never used terminology though. She didn't say psychic or spirit communication. She said things like, um, sometimes, you know, things it's okay. Or, um, so spirits talk to you, Sally, it's okay. That was a very common one. And I spent a lot of time playing games. So I was, I joke, and it's not really a joke. I wrote about it in my first book, which is called Jump Girl, um, Initiation and Art of a Spirit Speaker. That was my memoir. And that was the first book I wrote. And I was the parlor child. And when I say parlor, my grandparent, I mean, my grandmother was very poor. She built her house by herself. Mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of like a glorified shack, um, but it was wonderful. And I do relate to the granny witches of Appalachia in similarity because granny witching is really comes from Scotch Irish and Native American traditions weaving together with a little sprinkling of Germanic, okay? But it's primarily was the Celts mixing with the Native Americans that brought about those traditions. Because I've been to Ireland a couple times. I've actually took a class while I was in Northern Ireland on um, Irish folklore. Oh. And they, one of the things a woman talked about was how, you know, what signs were traditionally seen as somebody being born with psychic gifts. And, um, you know, the seventh son of the seventh son, that actually is an Irish lore. Um, one of them too, that pertained more to myself is being of, um, being a tinker. So Irish travelers, if you're in Ireland, I learned this recently in the last time I was there that they refer to people who have gifts as the tinkers where like, I guess that the travelers are really just a particular family that have a bad reputation. So there they, the term tinker is often used. And that was the term my grandmother used. Oh, was okay. that, and I didn't understand it when I was a little kid, when she said that her father was a tinker, I was like, like what? <laughs> That's completely new information to me. That's so cool. Um, so anyways, I, was super, super sensitive as a child to the point where I cried all the time. My Aww. psychic ability was a little overwhelming. And, but luckily I did have a teacher because I actually think about all the people who do this and go through life without a teacher and they think they're crazy. They think that, you know, they can't handle being around people. And um, I've taught for a really long time. So eventually I've had a lot of those people, a lot of people who show up first as my client for psychic reading. And I'm like, look, you're not, you know, this is what's going on. You're really empathic. You're really, um, so my grandmother died when I was 12 and I, I mean, I have no choice on doing things psychically. Like I put more energy into shutting things down than I did to opening things up so that I could have a normal life. Okay. But um, I began when I was a teenager, one of my dad's friends, girlfriend gave me a book on dream analysis and numerology, I think. And so mm -hmm. that was, 
I mean, I always wanted to be a witch. I knew I was a witch from the time I was like four years old. My mom dressed me up as a witch for Halloween and um, she put green makeup on my face. Oh, cool. My my eyebrows stayed green. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember that when she washed the makeup off and then I looked at myself in the mirror with the green eyebrows, the first thing I thought was, well, now everybody's going to know I'm a witch. Not people are going to think I'm a witch or, yeah. but like, it was just a fact, like, well, everybody's going to know. <laughs> wow. Um, I started formally studying witchcraft myself when I was 23. Um, I had started working with the tarot when I was 18 and I literally just kind of picked it up, played with it. My husband brought, who was my boyfriend at the time, brought home a deck of cards because he was going to analyze them, study them that way. Mm-hmm. And I had, my grandmother used playing cards. And at that point, my relationship with cards was, um, I used to think she let me cheat, but it was really games. Like mm-hmm. I was amazingly good at rummy mm-hmm. and amazingly good at games like memory because I just knew where the patterns were. And as a kid, I thought she let me cheat. But then as I got older, mm-hmm. I realized, no, I just had a much more extensive memory or ability to see than some other people oh wow um so (laughs) yeah and I started studying witchcraft when I was about 23 and Mm -hmm. I read um Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner by Scott Cunningham Mm -hmm. and I read it and I went oh my god I do all of this stuff it wasn't like I want to be a witch it was like I do this right um so yeah i mean my i'm a very educated person good yeah so in in witchcraft like Mm -hmm. i studied reiki for 10 years Mm -hmm. i studied druidry for three years um Mm -hmm. in in an intensive form Mm -hmm. um i've had major spirit openings you know that Mm -hmm. happened when i was 30 so i mean i can keep going but it's like there is a lot of natural ability, but there's also that I'm just totally been obsessed with this my whole life. So right. I, yeah, you follow yeah. what, follow what makes you curious. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and I like, was definitely curious about these things. So yeah, what you're, that's why I feel like if you're curious about something, especially that you have an innate talent for, that's just like, to me, that's like spirit saying you should, you should learn more. If you're, if you're liking it, you it should help that my sister also was psychic. So oh, yeah. I always had confirmation and we're super close, like oh, we're nice. close age. We're like Irish twins oh, wow. and we are, um, best friends. So like as kids, if I was talking to myself in the mirror, Mm-hmm. Um, so was she like we oh, would wow. have arguments with people like it wasn't like when like when I started school and teachers talked about imaginary friends I just assumed that they weren't talking about me <laughs> you know like other people might have imaginary right? friends that's cool but right. mine aren't imaginary so right. that's the benefit that people get from growing up in a household where things are just more factual you know where yes. there's the other part is, is though I couldn't live in any house that there were spirits in that I didn't have encounters. So I learned a lot of things mm-hmm. through those experiences. Right. That would, to me, that would be awesome because the first, I think one of the biggest hurdles, I think in learning to do any kind of psychic work or any kind of intuitive development is that like self-doubt the because you're group you grow up and most people grow up with like oh that's not real that's that's like for the movies or for this or that and you're taught not to believe in yourself as far as that stuff goes so to have that just kind of that that self-confidence as a fact kind of built in as you're in your childhood that's freaking amazing that's um, so cool I think yeah I um and I just was never had any fear around it which is what's kind of weird like first time I ever read cards for somebody that you know like was one of my sister's friends and Mm -hmm. I went to pick up the book and she was like well just tell me what you see and I was like oh I can do that (laughs) like yeah and then (laughs) and then that was it I mean I still I've taught classes on the tarot I understand Mm -hmm. the symbolism of the tarot and all of that because I am curious and you always learn more by building your symbolic language oh yeah 
Um, but even when I first, like I read at a festival for the first time, like mm -hmm. I used to be a seamstress and I made really like, um, ceremonial clothes and stuff. And I was so worked up about selling my clothes that I left my husband to do that. And I put up a sign saying that I was reading cards for $2 and <laughs> I had, after my first people I read for, I had such a line of people waiting to see me that I raised my price to $20 very quickly. But the people who were selling food next to us fed everybody at our tent for the entire festival because there were so many people that went to their booth because oh, wow. they were waiting to come to my booth. <laughs> and so I got this real, um, I was always given these opportunities to get, gather affirmation for my abilities. So that's um, awesome. Yeah. That is pretty cool. So how did, so do you have any like folk traditions that you learn from your childhood that you do like in a, as an everyday practice, like that you do today, like in your everyday life? Yeah. You do. So I live my life as magical. So when I was mm -hmm. writing path of elemental magic, I mean, elemental witchcraft, they, um, they first wanted to call it like the practice of elemental witchcraft. And I was like, no, this mm -hmm. is a practice. This is a path. Mm -hmm. And because I believe magic is something that you do every day and it's something you do in every way. Everything that I do has a bit of magic in it. But one of the big ones is that my grandmother um, really instilled in us the sentience of nature mm -hmm. and that everything has a consciousness to it. Um, so I think about like every time I go into like the woods or a place that I haven't been before, or if I leave an offering, the most common offerings that I leave are my hair or my saliva. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because they hold my DNA, you know, and my grandmother didn't really know about DNA, but she would say things to us like um, the water of your body is sacred and nobody can sing with your voice. So I've been practicing vocal toning as mm -hmm. sound healing for over 20 years. Oh, wow. And that was something that I remembered from a past life in Egypt, which I wrote about extensively in my first book, Jump Girl. Mm -hmm. And cool. um, so I often, I do a lot of vocal toning. That's probably mm -hmm. one of the most common things. And my grandmother was a singer. Like oh, she's, cool. She sang more like folk songs. And that was another thing. If we went into the woods, she would tell us to sing or we would carry bells so that the animals who didn't want to encounter us would know we were coming and that the other beings would, that might want to see us would also know we were coming so that they oh, cool. had that opportunity. Um, Very cool. I, I think that the biggest things my grandmother taught me though, really were about seeing, mm -hmm. you know, as a, um, you know, somebody who does divination mm -hmm. and as somebody who sees into other worlds. So right. I, in my day job, I am a psychic medium and healer. So mm -hmm. my work that I've done for 30 years that came before writing is yes. that I have a regular practice where I see people um, and, you know, it's very much like my grandmother would do it. It's more mm -hmm. like I use different tools maybe, or I can do it more publicly. Right. But my grandmother, one of the things I said is that um, she... I could never do be a medium who did a tour of a haunted house mm -hmm. because my grandmother would be fucking pissed at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She'd be mad at me because yeah. I wasn't helping those spirits. Mm -hmm. No, so, I can understand that for, yes. Yeah. I have a beef with the, like the TV shows that they have where they just basically piss off and disrespect dead people yes yeah um yeah. the yeah I have like yeah it's just wrong I think it's wrong it's for entertainment and I get it but ugh. I do too but you know what? I've had some mediums who work more on the lighter entertainment side send clients to me because yeah. I will work with people so deeply like yeah. I've worked usually with people with you know um 
even with people with like suicides and overdoses mm-hmm. and really big traumas mm-hmm. and then helping their family to heal after because I'm also a Reiki master in six schools of Reiki. Wow. I've practiced healing for over 20 years. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like we are living in a time of psychic evolution mm-hmm. and that one of the major problems that we are experiencing is that more and more people are becoming empathic they are becoming psychic and it's kind of like waking up some people don't wake up easy you know oh, yeah some people are seeking it you know they want it but that's not the case anymore now there's so many people who show up at my doorstep because they weren't looking for this kind of experience and it makes them kind of feel like they're going crazy Oh yeah. And I'm seeing that like my husband and I call him a muggle because I don't know another word for it, but he's not my muggle husband. He's not, you know, he doesn't practice any kind of, um, magical practice or spiritual practice at all, but he's starting to like do things or just know things. I'm like, how the hell did you know that? Like, well, that's also living with you because my husband, I've been together for, um, 30, almost 33 years. Wow. Um, we met when we were 18 and 19. And um, one of the things that, you know, he knows more about psychic stuff than most people do because you can't yeah. live with somebody and oh, not yeah. pick up on that. Oh, yeah. And they're going to have a hell of a lot more fucking weird experiences oh, happen real. around them because you have weird experiences. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So like their exposure makes them um, more sensitive. That also has to do with this concept. That's like the two tuned violins. So like if you have two tuned violins and you play one, the resonance will make the other one start to vibrate. It's the same thing, you know, like you guys are hanging out together all the time. So as your resonance moves up, it's going to pull his resonance up as well. Yes. I've seen, and we haven't, we've been together for 10, 10 years now are going to be 10 years. And I've noticed in the last, it's been accelerated. The last six months has been an accelerated rate of which I've noticed his intuitive abilities have mm-hmm. like gotten sharper. Like he'll call me and just know that I am crying or I'm upset and, or know that I am working with like, maybe not the, the easiest uh, deceased person in here. And he'll be like, I'm going to go do something else for a little bit. I'll come home later. And right. And it's just interesting to see those things develop. I, I love it. And also it's, I'm like, really, I'm the one that's supposed to be able to, to like know what you're thinking. It's weird. Well, when some you're- of it is also about like, maybe you're more of a projector. Like, I am. You know, know like um, one of the problems that my husband and I sometimes experience, we had to really work on was that he's an amazing emotional projector. Ooh. If he's upset, Oh my God, he doesn't have to say a word. He could be trying to keep it to himself and everybody will feel it like a bomb went off. Okay? Oh yeah. And then you have that and you have me who's super, super receptive. Mm-hmm. And we'd have these conversations about how it wasn't really his fault. Mm-hmm. And it's not really my fault. It's just a oh, it's, balance thing. It is. So, but I can read his mind far more easily than he can read yeah. mine. Um, and part of that is because he's also better at projecting than I am. I can project, but he's, that's kind of, so that's kind of the thing to think about too, is maybe your husband, you're, maybe you're a better projector and you, you say that you do that anyways with your emotions. That means it's actually easier to read you. Probably. Yeah. And I've been working on that with him, like in public and stuff, I'm pretty good about not doing that, but at home. That's when I'm like, eh, it's my home. I'm not going to worry about like holding back. And I should sometimes like he will come in here and he'll be like, hang on. He'll literally leave the house, go to the store, come back with chocolate and like my favorite soda and be like, here, I know something's going on. Here's some chocolate and soda. Tell me what's going on. I'm like, how did you know? He's like, I just felt it when I walked in the door and (laughs) I thought I'd come back in and things would be better if I carried these offerings. (laughs) Exactly. He's like, here, take these and tell me what's wrong. So, but I, yeah, I could talk about that all day. (laughs) Um, I kind of wanted to know how, um, 
So how did this book come about? So you've been a psychic this long, you have all this education and different kind of metaphysical healings and um, different methods. And then you wrote your first book and then this one comes about. So how did you come from like seed of manifestation to the, you know, to the fruition? Um, well, I had a major spiritual opening when I was 30 that I mm -hmm. refer to as the November incident. Mm -hmm. And that's when my ability to communicate with spirit went from, you know, way out of the fucking bounds. <laughs> like I thought I was going crazy a lot, like about a third of my memoir is actually about that experience. Um, and during that time, I was actually told that I'd write books and I knew it was true. Oh, like wow. when I heard it from spirit, I was like, okay, I know this is true. I didn't think my memoir would be the first book. Like, cause I always thought like, why would somebody want to read the memoir of someone they don't know, you know, like maybe if I was already a teacher, um, but I actually had, um, Robert Simmons mm -hmm. who wrote book of stones and he owns a very large crystal, um, company mm -hmm. came to my house for a seance or a spirit communication session. And, um, we became friends and. I did some work with him like on stage at one of his big events. And then he introduced me to um, this man, Robert um, Richard Grossinger, who is, he is my, I published both books through him. He used to mm -hmm. be one press, he's gone to another. So the first book, the second book, I knew I'd write more books. I had no idea so much what it would be about, but I had a tremendous experience in mm -hmm. um, with the spirit of water in um panther meadow at, at uh, on mount shasta Ooh. okay so i have done sacred travel since about 2011 where i do geomantic work at sacred sites and do healing and i have a group of people that i travel with that i actually met on a trip where none of us really three of them knew each other there's eight of us all eight of us remembered each other from past lives so it oh was crazy and we have traveled together now like six times since then and so I was there with them mm -hmm. and I had this moment it first started at a well at a spa and mm -hmm. when I say a spa it was really looked more like a girl scout camp but it was <laughs> sacred springs and it yeah. was like in weed California it was not like swanky spa right but they were notable so Mount Shasta is considered one of the chakras of the planet mm -hmm. and this group of people and I met and we spent time in Glastonbury England so um Chalicewell in Glastonbury England has a white spring and a red spring which mm -hmm. is unusual to have two different kinds of springs so close to each other and they were seen as healing and sacred. Okay. And this place, um, Stuart Mineral Springs has a white spring and a red spring. So we were there for that. And I have, I have a close relationship with water anyways. Mm -hmm. um, we were doing some toning around one of the, around the red well. And I had an experience in which a spirit presented themselves through me. So I could see my reflection in this mm. covered this well. And we were all doing vocal toning and energy work. And all of a sudden my reflection changed, meaning that I was, it was me, but I wasn't wearing the same outfit I was wearing. I've had these experiences wow. in my life. So I knew I was communicating with something else. Mm -hmm. and what it said to me was, I see you, Sally Crow. And I almost went down on my knees. Like it was like, holy shit. I was, and there was kind of like this leftover and I will see you, Sally Crow. So mm -hmm. two days later, we hiked up to panther meadow and you can only you can drive about we had to hike two miles from a parking lot to panther meadow and by the time we were getting there um one of my friends who was walking behind me suddenly said um Aya is the name of the eternal one and when she Ooh. said it i was like like it was kind of like oh what was that uh -huh. and so I was like, you know, what would be really cool is if we toned Ea and En together. And En is a symbol that I channeled that has to do with the with infinity, no time, no space. Mm -hmm. So I things got super wobbly. Um, we made it down to where the well was, and by that point, I was having a major experience, and I knew it. And I was like, I have to go sit down, or I'm going to fall down. Wow. And 
And when I sat by the spring, you know, this spring is sacred to the native people of that area of California. Panther Meadow is a considerable healing spring, which is mm -hmm. kind of my thing. I like to go to places like that. Yeah. Um, and my friend Jules, who was one I'd been walking with, followed me over. She started doing some Reiki on me and was singing to me. And all of a sudden, like the spirit of the spirit was in front of me wow. and I call it female, but that's only because it felt receptive, not because it was showing me any sex. And it kept showing me all these images and it started communicating with me and it wow. told me that it was the spirit of water. And I was like, you're the spirit of this well of this spring. And it said, yes, but more. And I was like, okay, you're the spirit. And all this is happening in my head. Meanwhile, I have seven other people sitting around, standing around me in a circle with their hands, like directing energy at me because I'm, they think I'm having some, you know, major, well, I was a major experience, but I wasn't like going through healing. I was communicating with something. Wow. And um, I went on to say that it was the spirit of all water. Oh, wow. And then it started showing me all of these times that I had worked with water in this lifetime and in others. And it's true. I've done healing with water for probably 20 something, 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the last things it showed me was that when I was 12, I almost drowned oh and I drowned in almost drowned in a, um, River called the Amanusic River that's really sacred to me. It's over near, it's behind the Mount Washington. So mm -hmm. when the Mount the Washington, Mount Washington comes down to this river, and what it showed me in my child memory, I knew that I was out. I wrote about this in my first book too. I was outside of my body and I could see wow. myself drowning and I was here and I didn't quite recognize what was in my body, but something was in my body. And wow. what I was shown was the the water was in my body, the, wow. this, the water, the energetic water. Right. Was in my body. So I came, yeah. So it was tremendous on its own by that. It told me that I would never drown <laughs> and there, you know, that doesn't mean I can be stupid, but you know, I, I'm not going to drown and that water would know me and that mm -hmm. I had a responsibility to water. So I was like, okay. So the first way I started working with it was in healing because I'm a healer. So I started adding to my own healing. When I work on people, I put my hands on them mm -hmm. and I had been given a name, the name AI. Like I knew that that was the name that was being used for it. Oh, wow. And I would ask the water of the person's body to come back into balance because I started doing things like studying structured water mm -hmm. and, um, realizing that water can be programmed and that the water, that means that the water, you know, like if you know of Dr. Emoto's work and the, you know, messages in water and Beta Austin is another really amazing person. But then I started studying like scientists who were working with it at the same time as I was doing this. Oh, wow. And I knew, so it started as a book on water. Yeah. And when it finally came around, my publisher left the publishing house they ran. It's a very dramatic story, but I ended up going with them. Mm -hmm. And I proposed to them because I wrote a, um, I wrote something for an anthology that's called the um, Corona Transmissions that came out in 2020. So okay. it, was, it was a group of psychics and astrologers who wrote what their perception of the experience was. Oh, wow. And um, because see, same with thing with my publisher. The first time I met him, he, I ended, I had a book contract before I had a book for my first book because I did spirit communication for him. And oh, cool. so I was able to tell him just like he was on the um, phone with his publishing company before I even left. He, you know, I mean, this really was like, I have had an effect on people is how I've gotten to places. Right. I got you. And, um, so when he brought it to the publisher, to the owner of the company, the owner of the company said that he loved it, but he wanted them. He, Cause I wrote in my proposal, I was like, I think this should be part of a four part series because there's not mm -hmm. just one element out there. And they just wanted it all in one book. They were mm -hmm. like, well, we think that's a great idea, but we'd rather have it all in one book. So that's how that book came about. And since then I have written another book 
that is coming out next year. So. Oh my gosh, you're busy. This I am. Busy. So I wrote, um, <laughs> my third book comes out in 2023 and it's called Spirit Speaker, A Psychic Medium's Guide to Death and Dying. So oh my goodness. Yeah. So I'm pretty prolific. I say that my dark photos a squirrel on crack. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I move real fast. Right. Like that's a lot to put out um, and, and, you know, create now when you create, so I've, I've heard, I've, I've received different answers for this. So when you create, when you write, does that, um, make you like when you're done, does it come in like a frenzy and you're like, Oh my God, I need to like hibernate for three months now, or does it energize you when you create? Um, I don't, I don't really stop. So I'm a person who, um, that's just me. Like it's been me my whole life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I wrote, so there's like 550 pages in the path of elemental magic Mm -hmm. and published. And I wrote it in six months. Holy moly. That's, that's quick. And then I wrote the death book without my publishers, even though I was doing it, I just handed it into them on Halloween and said, Hey, Mm -hmm. you guys might want to take a look at this. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So, um, I, and I should also say that I created a whole 12 module course. That's what I was going to go with the path of elemental magic. That's what I was going to ask next. Like, so, um, how long did it take you to create the course? Like, did you write the book and then the course? Yes. Okay. The book was already at the publishers and moving through the publishing process. Mm-hmm. And I made, did the course what, monthly. Mm-hmm. I prepared it monthly. Um, you know, I did all my recordings usually in one day. The mm-hmm. first month was really kind of funny because we, the only reason I knew they were missing most material because I have assistants. I have mm-hmm. apprentices. I have an assistant and then I have apprentices who um where I had apprentices who did work trade okay so I have had people who could do some of the more clerical stuff for me people Mm -hmm. who've done those kind of things and that's how they were paying to be able to take courses with me so that's so cool um yeah it's kind of um there's pros and cons to it it's definitely (laughs) can be challenging but it's good as well but I would what happened was I realized because I had all of the videos that they had the first month I was wearing the same outfit. And I was like, wait a minute. Cause I'm pretty fashionable. Mm-hmm. Like I love fashion. So I was like, I would yep. not have done a month's worth of videos and let people believe that I was wearing the same outfit. <laughs> so I was able to real, to find the other pieces they had lost, but mm-hmm. I did, um, that course had, you know, a short write up with it. And then it had, um about three and a half to four hours of video a month wow but I wasn't doing super editing I'm the kind of person who this is who I am and this is what you get and (laughs) if I you know I mean sometimes I would have to redo it but I I do live videos every Mm -hmm. week I do two live videos um I joke and say when I was in school my teachers my report cards always said things like Sally is a good student, but she's far too social. And so I joke and say, you didn't know what I was training to do. <laughs> right. Yep. I, I was one of those. Danae talks too much. She, yes. But look, it's perfect yeah. for this. It is. It's perfect for this. Like, yeah, I'm a Gemini. Like, what do they do? That's perfect. So much. And I've got so much air in my chart. So do you have a lot of, I was going to ask, you have such a strong connection to water. So do you have a lot of water in your natal chart? I have none. Really? I wonder if that's like making room for all that connection, maybe. And interestingly too, Hmm. because one of the other interesting things is that my chart, when you look at it, almost looks like there's a spider in it, like a spider web kind of deal. And um, when I talk about fate, that's how Mm -hmm. I always talk about it is like when you're reading is like, it's like, it's like a spider web. And sometimes you're over here and you want to get over here. Well, that's really challenging, but you can do it, but the path isn't easy, you know? So, um, 
but yeah, I thought that was interesting. The first time I ever saw my chart and I was like, how can I not have any water? But I, but I'm married to a cancer. Oh, so I have water definitely in my life. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I have no water in my chart, which is kind of fun. I'm, I'm a weepy, um, basket case. I'm just all or mostly water and air, just mm-hmm. an emotional chatty Kathy. Um, so that gets me in trouble quite a bit. Um, I was going to ask a couple other questions. So how, if somebody would like, when is this, first of all, cause this is, this episode is going to come out in May. When does your book, um, when is it available to purchase? Well, here's the funny thing. And this is actually quite a wonderful little story. Ooh. <laughs> um, my book is due for release. At first it was due for release May 23rd, but because yeah. publishing is so weird, it got moved to May 31st. Uh-huh. Last, last week, the week before last, I got a message from the publishing house saying that the books had made it to the warehouse. Oh, whoa. Last, last Monday, I have not, I still haven't received my author's copies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Last Monday, clients of mine posted a picture of themselves with my book with the book what yeah so people who ordered pre-ordered directly to inner traditions okay i worked my publishers i'm like is this normal like shouldn't i have my books before (laughs) i ordered this book yeah (laughs) that's what i ordered like you would order so i went to their page Uh i ordered it and i got it um Wow. Kind of cool because here's the interesting thing. Mm -hmm. The numerology of the day that people started telling me they had it was an 11. (laughs) So when I wrote to them and they wrote back to me, they said, well, it looks like 11 people pre-ordered through us. Oh my gosh. So so I was like, well, that's cool. And I'm like, don't, they're like, I hope you're not too upset. And I'm like, no, I'll make, I'll just make this into a story. Right. Um, Oh my gosh. That's cool. And then, so I'm in massachusetts last friday i went down to massachusetts to meet um with alex Lozier from alex Lozier jewelry mm-hmm. um because she is doing has done a elemental magic um collection that is based on the teachings of my book oh so, my gosh yeah so i went down to do this photo shoot and one of my friends lives in Mass and Alex lives in Pennsylvania. So we were able to kind of like meet there. I pull into my friend's driveway and I get a message from my neighbor who tells me like, I'm really sorry, but I opened your mail. He's, and he's never got my mail. He's like, I've never gotten your mail before, but I mm-hmm. open it. And I was like, I was like, no worries. And then I was like, is it my book? Right. So it was, it was my the book that I ordered from Inner Traditions. Oh. I had it husband go over and get it but I'm like this book is like all about town before I get to hold on to it like oh. here you go make sure all these other people touch it oh my um, gosh oh that's so, so we can get it you can get it but you yeah. have to order it through inner traditions okay so if I you, will make sure I have those links in the show notes and in the groups that I have that way yeah, everybody- and you might want to put Alex Lozier dot com so it's a-l-e-x-l-o-z-i-e-r.com because it is an amazing jewelry okay perfect like i got to play with all of it this weekend after the boxing of the photos are done then i get it all sent to me because um i'm gonna be on gaia in the middle of the month so we were like make sure that you get me the jewelry before i go there like so that i can be wearing it yes um Oh, so I'm a very much a collaborator. Yeah. Like I'm a person yeah. who feels like we need to recognize that in order to heal our planet, that we have to work collectively. We mm-hmm. have to support each other and try to step away from like, I fucking hate competitive witchcraft. Oh my God. Me too. <laughs> like, it's like, there is yes. no need for this. Good God. Um, I wrote the path of elemental witchcraft because I really wanted to make magic approachable to everybody. Oh, cool. So if you had to tell, so somebody is like, okay, I'm a, I'm a new, I'm a newbie, witch. I'm i I'm just exploring. And I want to read this book. What would be like your advice to them on how to approach the book, like time constraints and like how long should it take or how? Yes. So I designed the book to first be read through 
Mm -hmm. because there are techniques that stack upon themselves. So it is like, it is, if somebody knows nothing, Mm -hmm. they can, they could start with this book. Like I will, I will handhold people through things about safety and, um, you know, encourage them to look at things in their own way. But Mm -hmm. so first I think it should be read through. And then it is a book that's meant to be kind of like a cookbook, you mm-hmm. know, where you can go back because there is, I'm a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. So it makes it appealing to anybody if you want to read it all the way through, because the way the book is written is there's a story and then there's a technique and then oh, there's a story and a technique and all the stories are true. They're either things I've personally experienced or they're things that I have experienced through clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and the techniques, while you may not be able to have the level of experience that I did or somebody else did, mm-hmm. it's a it's a way of introducing that to you that you can do it. And it also has a lot of skills in it for people who are more advanced practitioners, you know? Cool. So um, ideally, I would like to see people read it all the way through and then kind of like, I think like, I don't know about you, but Animal Speak by Ted Andrews was a book like that for me that mm-hmm. like, I have gone back to that book so many times to just look something up. How oh, yeah. do you do that? Yeah. What is what is the meaning of that? And that's really how, um, and I would tell people like, noticeably they'll notice that through the book, I encourage them to keep a book of shadows. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if you write to V, she'll give you a link to my book of shadows workshop okay. because through my school of magic, I offer a free book of shadows workshop that anybody can take. And, um, you know, the reason why is that often I will find that people will tell me about their experiences. They might say like, sometimes I know things and I'm like, really how often? And they're like, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, can you tell me of things? And they're like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, when we write it down, we start to build confidence because we write it down and we go back over it every couple of weeks. And we're like, look, here's another time that I was right about this. Or every time that I see this, this happens, you know, um, this definitely encourages people to follow their own path. Oh, yeah. Even when I talk about calling in allies, I mm-hmm. say, call in the deities that you work with, call yeah. in the allies that you work with, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's not meant mostly it's because like I have a lot of clients that people would never believe would be willing to buy books on witchcraft, Mm -hmm. but they, like my husband just had a doctor's appointment. He had to have some day surgery this morning and, Mm -hmm. um, the nurses knew me. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, and like, he was like, he came out with one of the nurses and she started talking to me too and telling me that, Oh, I've been to see you and I'm going to get your book. She would not probably identify herself as a witch, Mm -hmm. but she's willing to read my book because she trusts me, you know? So I try really hard to explain things in a way that is non-threatening to people. Mm -hmm. Um, So explaining that magic is science that hasn't yet been explained. Yes. Okay. And that magic comes down to a couple of things, the will and the way. And the will is, do you, how do you use your willpower? Like your willpower, do you have any of, you have to develop that sometimes. And then the way for some people is prayer. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's a big elaborate spell. For some people, it's making a potion. For some people, it's, you know, walking backwards around their house three times, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, works for you. Um, so, and I'm a huge person that I would like to see people. Um, you can tell I'm a Druid too. That's one of the things is that Mm -hmm. I definitely think that elemental magic or elemental witchcraft in general is a more magical form of Druidry, you know, Mm -hmm. Druidry by itself is magical, but it often isn't as much focused on spell work. Mm Mm-hmm right or divination right or community you know it does those things but not to the level that witchcraft embraces them yes but my love of the earth and stewardship of the earth and responsibility to the earth is definitely you know in Mm -hmm. the druid um wavelength i love that 
that's that's awesome yeah i i cannot wait to get my hands on it um and share it with everybody and uh share all these links i've got all the links that people can go to see uh all about you your site your website your personal website um the author website is it going to be so where can people buy it straight off the publisher website they can buy it off the publisher website. They can buy it off of Amazon. They okay. can buy it off of, I mean, there's so many places okay. they can because okay. um, Inner Traditions is a major publisher. So they publish through um, Simon & Schuster, which means that it go, it will probably be in most regular bookstores. Okay. Um, my first book is in, you know, I get people from all over the world that still call me because oh, they picked wow. up my book. So um you know, basically any, any major bookseller, you might not find it in your local small bookshop, mm -hmm. but if you went to like a Barnes and Nobles or Borders or any of those bigger, definitely okay. going to find it. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, cool. So I am going to put all of this information in the show notes. I'll make sure that it's on. We have a couple of different groups that we have for the podcast. We have our open Facebook group that's free to everybody. And then we have our coven. So I will put both. Um, I'll post all of that to, to those. All right. Yes. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. I learned, I learned something today. I learned many things today uh, throughout this interview. So I thank you so much for, for that knowledge um, and for sharing today. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. You too. I want to say thank you to Sally Crow one more time for the interview, for the knowledge, for the chat. I really had a great time. And again, I apologize for this coming out so hella late. <laughs> um, but life is what it is, right? Let's do some housekeeping um, before we leave today. So um, things that are different since um, coming back. We have a Witchy Woman app now. If you go to uh, witchywomanpodcast.com, there's a link at the bottom to download our app. And what that is, is a place where you can schedule services, um, update subscription services, and then also you have access to groups. We do have two groups. We have the Coven Chat group on our app, and that is anybody who joins the Coven. That's through Patreon, or now you can join the Coven um, via any of the subscription services on my website, um, and it automatically adds you to that. And then um, also, we have a Reiki group, and that's for people who choose the Reiki subscription. That also gets you in the Coven group as well, just so you know. Um, and then in that group, I've been posting um, meditations. I've got some plant witchcraft type um, videos that have been recorded. I just have to get them uploaded. It's kind of hard to upload them from there or to there for some reason. Um, I also trying to do that and kind of doing double. I'm uploading them to the coven on Facebook as well. Reason we have the app is because um, a lot of people have been had been emailing me and DMing saying, hey, I don't have Facebook. I have no wish to have Facebook. Is there a way I can join the coven and stay connected? Um, and still get the same benefits, but not join, um, they don't want to join Patreon and they don't want to have to deal with Facebook. So the app was our new, um, our new venture, I guess. So joining the app is absolutely free. Um, like I said, just go to my homepage, scroll down to the bottom. There's a little thingy on it. Um, that's on your like laptop. If you are on your, um, phone, I think it's the same. I think it's still scroll down to the bottom of it. But from that app, you can uh, keep track of all of your appointments that you have with me, your sessions. And also we have a rewards program and that's a tab also on the group um, or on that app. So if you just scroll, there's like little tabs at the top and you scroll to rewards and it'll show you um, your rewards. And that's like if you get multiple services for me, you get so many services and then you get a discount um, on that next service. So it's kind of like a virtual punch card type thing. Um, the next places I will be in person is uh, uh, Deadwood, South Dakota. Um, I will be vending at the fair in the square up there on the on September 9th and 10th. Um, you can head up there and I will have all kinds of witchy goodness. I have been creating, oh my God, like Leo season 
I created a ton during Leo season. So I have got shitloads of witchy things for you, like decor, candelabras. I have taken um, little witch bottles and really cool um, glass bottles with glass stoppers. And I have modified them and embellished them to look like um, your fairy dreams or a swamp bog witch type aesthetic. Um, I, I've done so much. I can't wait for you guys to see that stuff. So if you are local or if you want to come out and see me, you can see me there. Um, again, that's September 9th and 10th in Deadwood, South Dakota. I think the next event isn't until October, and that will be Witch Fest in Elitch Gardens. Um, stupid train. <laughs> Elitch Gardens in Colorado. That's all I have for now. So until next time, stay witchy. Bye-bye.